Hello, welcome to Smiley's. Tonight we're discussing uh, Forge of Darkness by Steven Erickson, book one of the Arcana Trilogy. Tonight we're doing chapters nine and ten. This is the spoiler-free and summary discussion. Summary discuss, yeah. The summary and summary. the spoiler-free discussion. Spoilers would otherwise include um, Miles and Book of the Fallen and the Novels of the Miles and Empire, where applicable, and up to chapter ten of uh, Forge of Darkness. If you're joining for the first time, go back and watch the other episodes, please. Thank you. Um, I'm joined by Mora. Hello, Mora. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. What about you? I'm okay. I'm slightly intimidated because yeah, big chapter. I have a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I've chosen for chapter nine. So I think we should just start because it's, it's a lot to cover. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, right. Where are we? Where are we? we? Are with... I don't know. I don't remember where it starts off. <laughs> oh, okay. We are with Orphantel and uh, we are riding along with the caravan guards people on the way to Karkanas. Mm-hmm. And they have to cross Tula Hold. And that's where they have a break because they have to, you know, they have to pay the tolls or something. So, Haral and his group uh, stop there. But apparently, Hishtula is not at home. Where is she? She has gone to Karkanas. Riding Karkanas, yeah. yeah. Probably she has reached by now. So... Uh, they decide that they're going to get distracted by uh, three hot dudes trying to defile their father's memory. Please, I'm sorry. Please. Please she continue. was least distracted. It was those guys who were distracted by her. <coughs> so, uh, so they stop there. There is a campground. They start pitching their tents and they start, you know, setting up the camp. And because she's not home, they don't have to go and visit her. And Haral even says something like, uh, "It's a good thing that we don't have to make the climb to the Tula Hold because otherwise Orphantel's horse will not survive it." Right. And mm-hmm. you know what he does? Mm-hmm. He he puts a hand on its neck as if, you know, in a protective manner. And because we've finished the end of the chapter, we know that, you know, this has some significance when we read it again. Right? So, <clears throat> and as they're getting settled, a, a wagon starts from the house. It comes to the camp. And who does it carry? It carries a young so lady. Cool. Oh, is it oh, so cool? So cool. So cool, Ankar. I don't, yeah. I don't remember the exact details. No problem. No problem. I'll tell you. Uh, just, uh, we get a description of this Tula hold also at the same time. It's built into this rock formation and Orphantel, he goes into a lot of wild daydreams in this whole chapter. So he imagines yeah. this place, like, you know, like what if he's kidnapped by bandits and then he overcomes him, then he conquers Tula Hold and then he ends up losing it and then uh, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. So anyway, they meet uh, Sukulankadu. Now she's highborn, but she's from a lesser house. And between lesser houses, they can exchange hostages. But between a lesser and a greater house, they can't. They only can send as a guest. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a clear cut, very clear cut class delineations. Yeah. So, anyway, she is there as a guest. And do you know why she was sent there to Hishtula by their mother? Because Sharinas apparently because has, Sharina, a, has um, a reputation. And they guess that this Sukul also might have, might, you know, go into a wayward path. So, they sent her there under the care of. Sorry, what? A wayward path, meaning <laughs> um, she became a soldier and not like, I don't know, a wine merchant. Like oh no no! I thought it was to keep her like not sleeping around or something. That's what I thought. No, because that's Maybe. the reputation Sharina has. That's the one that Hishtula has given up, and you know that that's <laughs> anyway. So and Sukul is apparently as young as Orphantel, which I refuse to believe. No, I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. She is not six years old or seven years old. She's she's just a very short sixteen year old. Okay. This has to be my headcanon, otherwise I, I can't read this book. She's 16, but I definitely don't think she's 5. 
she's not five she's not six she can't be a single digit age she does say time. later that she's um short for her age and yeah so i'm going to how take short it as a are we going very short so yeah i think she's like a bit like renick's age maybe a bit older i don't think she's 16 16 might be a bit too old fine yeah okay fine 14 14 let's take let's compromise 14 sure 14 <laughs> okay so anyway um she meets uh orphantel and then she tells him that you know you have good manners and you probably didn't learn this from your grandmother because Nerys does not honor <laughs> Urusander's legion and all that. And anyway, they have their own separate cook fire. They have servants and all because these are like high-born kids. Uh, she tells him that she's going to be an ally of his and he says that when he grows up and becomes a great warrior, he wants people like Sukul next to him. Okay, so uh, till then, till this thing happened, he has been, or Fatal has been thinking that he's one of these rough caravan soldier guys. He's one of the boys. And this is when he realizes that he's he's not. <laughs> he but you know he actually it's nice uh, that he starts thinking that you know what sets these classes apart and he doesn't have a clue. Obviously nobody has a clue. It's just there. So um, anyway, and then she tells she asks about him. Tell me about yourself. And he has a well rehearsed backstory, right? Immediately <laughs> he throws it away and tells the truth that he's actually uh, Nerys's grandson and Sandalath is his mother, and he tells the whole story. So, and uh, he also tells her that she he's going to Karkanas as hostage to Mother Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this makes her very surprised. Sukul is very surprised. And she's like, is like Mother Dark gathering hostages like as if it's a greater house? And you know, what will the other highborn think? And most importantly, will bloodlines be crossed? So, is this all there is to it, right? I, it, it's just people being classist. There's nothing more to be figured out here, right? I mean, one thing I did notice is Sukul is drinking wine, which if she's five would be a very strange thing to do. So. See, Orphantel is also drinking wine. Oh, is he really? Well, that's yeah. even weirder. They've been, served, they've been served watered wine and all the other guys served have got the watered wine to, like, goddamn. Yeah. No, the others got the cheap ale. These guys got, like, wine. Classes, man. It's class difference. They can't drink water, like, yeah. So. Of course not. Yeah. My bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, this is why you wouldn't fit in Thai society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's totally the reason. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Sukul tells him that when he reaches Karkanas, uh, people are not going to be, you know, they'll not have enough time to take care of him or anything. So she tells him, seek out Hishtula. I'll give you a handwritten letter, take it and meet her and she'll tell you what to do. And then they start talking about how it's not just blood that commands loyalty. Even friendship can do the same. And that's exactly what she's trying to do. She's trying to forge friendship between all these highborn people and the Legion. But most officers don't want peace. Even her own sister probably doesn't want peace. So, yeah. And uh, poor Alphantil, he we, says we, that... We, we went over this last week, didn't we? With uh, Tulas and uh, Serena's. Mm-hmm. How... What did she say? Like, Tulas was saying like how he will uh, side with peace. And Serena's like, well, doesn't everyone say that? Well, yeah, but yeah. most people that say that think of violence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's not six. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, he does say uh, it was pretty clear that she was much older than him now. So, yeah, she's probably closer to like 12, 14. <laughs> yeah. We did say 14. I'm not going to concede 16 yet. Maybe she is 16. Maybe she's older than that. No, fine. I, yeah. I'm fine with 14. Okay. No problem. Sorry. And anyway, she... Um... <clears throat> okay, okay. And then he says that uh, he wishes she was his sister or something. And she says, no, no, it's better we are friends. And then uh, 
Yeah, and she also sorry, you said something to be laughed. Is is it foreshadowing if it already happened in the book of the phone? Like, oh, it's better to be friends and sisters because I backstab both my sisters. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does something. She does say that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and then she tells him that whatever backstory he was given by Neris, that to consider it as truth and never repeat this original story which he has told her, because of mm-hmm. course the past is something which can always be emptied and refilled, right? So Orphan goes along, and but he is still, you know, slightly unhappy with this because he doesn't like lying. Lying is a type of betrayal, and yeah, like he he's not a betrayer. He doesn't do betrayal. Yeah. Oh. Now, finally, where do we go from Tula Hold to the Citadel in Krakonos? Yes, and who's on top of the Citadel? Rise with Legil Behast and Rise Rise is it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now I was going to say it's one more Dao historian, and we've had enough of those. So, oh yes. Yeah, I don't know. There are no happy historians anywhere. So anyway, there is Rice, and he is taking care of... What does that say of... about the series? That, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you have <laughs> something glib? I mean, no, it's, like, it's symbolic, <laughs> no? That there's no, like, when like historians eventually grow tied to their own, like, art, because nobody learns, nobody listens. That's what Galan's trying to tell us, no? Like, nobody listens, and look what happened to them. Yeah. But there could be at least one historian who doesn't care, who just... <laughs> there should be at least one. Well, Hevorg's kind of like that, no? I mean, he's... Barely a historian, if you ask me. He I was so. he was imprisoned because he tried to be a true historian, and so probably yeah. that's why he gave up. Yeah, you should read that book one day. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Rise Herat is taking care of Legil 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 Behest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he tells her to look upon the city and blah blah, and she is almost you know <laughs> falling off the Merland. <laughs> and he says that uh, the the whole. Karkana's city is like a monster or something which has washed ashore. And he specifically talks about a giant turtle, giant beak turtle that sometimes uh, passes in the river. Do you know another turtle which you have been reading about in, I think, Midnight Tides or Reaper Scale? The Venic turtle. There's a whole chapter where the imagery is right. about that. There's like that some one eggs. Yes. Yeah. So like when, uh, maybe I got the name wrong because when Rautos is telling Venet to go and meet uh, the truth finder guy and he's a little rude to him. In the background, you see one of the male turtles snatch and eat a whole bunch of uh, nest right, along with right. the eggs and all that. So it's, right, it's right, really right. fun chapter. And the turtles, it's, it runs throughout the whole chapter. And then at the end, we see Tehol and Bug like eat those eggs or something. Uh, they know it's poisonous and <laughs> they use some herbs to like detox it and then they eat it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... It, it's almost the exact same description of that turtle. It's huge and it has, I mean, turtles are turtles, so I don't know how exactly, but it has beaks, right? So that's what he compares Karkana City. And it's, you know, it's hissing, hissing at everything around it. And we also see that upon the south shore of the river, it's a completely polluted area with factories, leather factories, and where they grind bone into fertilizers and things like that. Yeah. So anyway, he calls uh, himself and his, that ward, as the eyes of the city because they're on top of the head and the head is actually the citadel. And being the city's eyes is important because only with sight there is release of imagination. And then this girl mm-hmm. says that, you know, she can see everybody and everyone looks so tiny from up top and he calls them mites and ticks on the beast's body. <laughs> so anyway, he, he keeps doing these comparisons and then she, she says that at least Cedarpul, 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 Cedarpul. Cedarpul, Cedarpul. Cedarpul. 
he at least he makes sense when he takes classes but you don't make sense and then he says something like oh i forgot the narrow perch of a child's mind oh <laughs> in pra- yeah 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 just <laughs> on the one hand it's very like what uh, rise is saying is very interesting symbolically but on the other hand it's like a 5 year old saying it's it too it's so not it even a 5 year old i don't think it's 5 because orphantel is a way mature 5 this is like a toddler 5 and then he says something like in pragmatism there is comfort yes this comes back when some other guy starts thinking about pragmatism a bit later hmm. so anyway she goes off to play kaplo yeah your friend kaplo yeah. yeah yeah my friend yeah yeah right you should thank me that i'm not calling him your boyfriend because the number of times you bring up kaplo it's yeah so anyway she goes off to play and he comes back to uh, what was that terrace or the place where he looks out and he keeps thinking about how her education is so haphazard like she's just being passed on from one teacher to another because nobody really has the time and it's all declining right the whole tight society nobody cares about educating children and all that and anyway that day he wanted to teach her history but obviously he's failed because her hearing this is so relatable to me <laughs> it's like she listens to his words as if listening to a song but in the background you know there are only selective things that goes into her head and the rest of it she just ignores <laughs> she doesn't care you should try talking to toddlers on a daily basis and this is like something which comes out uh, i don't know how much erickson would have felt this when he was writing this um i don't know <laughs> but i imagine it probably comes from a pretty personal place but i haven't asked i mean even if it didn't to me it is so oh my god it's it's perfect this is how it is you might give your whole lecture and you might say all these things and it doesn't matter oh there is some mom just blabbering something who cares right so anyway he looks out to the city and the light is muted because mother dark is grabbing all the light and this is very interesting uh, as a historian he doesn't enjoy this type of vista views he prefers the broad strokes of a view should remain as such there should not be any uh, interest in details yeah right so like mm-hmm. a landscape painting it should only promise there is depth and distance but it should not have any depth or distance because details will clutter the mortal mind and it blinds you to broad sweeps of history <clears throat> yeah yeah please interrupt me so yeah do you remember um like what was like one of the first quotes from this book something about like details making up the full weft of the world and themes being nothing more than uh, lists perfectly ordered composite oh, lists perfectly ordered you know like and perfectly rendered and all that yeah i think someone might be speaking through our friend rise here maybe yeah maybe <laughs> so anyway uh, he this and the audacity of this guy this is a lesson he wanted to teach legil that <laughs> details will clutter your mind but anyway yeah. he realizes that maybe she's too young and then he also realizes wow. that maybe age is not the factor here because so many other people in the citadel also have the same learning capacity as her <laughs> and then he sees that you know the whole citadel is actually in an uproar because something so happened right and we know that we'll get to that but anyway these are all his uh, unspoken thoughts his inner landscape and blah blah there's a lot of monologuing here so i'm just going to skip them and he also says something like he weaves his histories as if they were inventions and he prefers broad washes of color rather than going into detail and he prefers feelings over analysis yeah go on yeah no, uh, since we actually brought this up uh sukul ends her conversation with orphantel by saying something about like invention like um you know filling the truth in you and like inventing new backstories and you should know these people for the liars that they are 
And then the first line Rise said is, I am a great believer in inventions. And he's yeah. a historian. Oh, I did not. I did a not historian yeah, is a yeah. great believer in invention. No, actually, I was going over that because I was wondering why did this suddenly inventions come up? You know, what, what was the point of this line? Yeah, now I get it. Thanks. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. And because the city is so muted, he is wondering where the light has gone. You know, when darkness comes, where does the light go? And since mm-hmm. Mother Dark is stealing the light, how will all the artists fare? Though all the priestesses have been saying that, you know, the darkness will bring its own gifts. But because it's sorcery, he knows that such gifts will not be free. Yeah, that's a lot of gift giving, right? Isn't that the name of the part one? Something about yeah, gifts. these gifts, the pro- the in these gifts, the Adoration. shape, moderation. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's joined and by yeah. Uh, book three is uh, the shapes of your the proofs of your ambition, which is also brought up by Galan in the prelude. What is book two? Bereft. Then? Book two, I don't remember. I remember book four is for the darkness and uh, most of all of light's books. I don't remember book two of this book. Uh, Carry on, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I'm looking up too. Oh. The solitude of this something, fire. This fire, yeah, 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 true. Oh, mm-hmm. right, right, okay. Let's shut up and let's keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, Cedarpool comes up and along with him is a very young Endest Silan. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he's just an acolyte here. And <laughs> Cedarpool tells him this is abdication of responsibilities because he sees that Legil is not there and he responds, that's the exact words which I wanted to tell you when you dropped her off to me. <laughs> so anyway, they have news of uh, Warlock Rish bringing Triss here. And so they have come upstairs to watch, you know, to watch the north, to see the jungle line. So that they just want to see. And then they start talking something about decorum. And yeah, it's a bit weird because Cedarpool is apparently preying on the priestess applicants. And then Endus says that uh, he accuses him and he's accused back and it doesn't matter. Finally, somebody asks, who said that hypocrisy has no place in a temple? And he says, literally, nobody, nobody. has said that. Yeah. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, Ill-chosen <laughs> my company this day. I am assailed by reverence. You know, cerebral bitching about reverence is like... <laughs> but Endus is so much fun here. Like, we only see him in Toll Downs, right? Being so Where he's old depressed. And... Yeah. yeah. All of them are like this. They all turn depressed after this book, so... Maybe we should just read here and then stop. Never go to Book of the Fallen, right? I can get behind this. Sorry, what? I can get no. behind this. Okay, I can get you. So anyway, they wonder what uh, Triss is. Like, is she, is she an Azathanai? But she has come from the Vitru, but she's not off the Vitru. I think it keeps coming back again and again. So anyway, uh, Legil mm-hmm. is left alone. That's the ultimate. The TLDR you should take away from this is nobody cares about this girl because they just want to stand upstairs and watch. You just want to watch an empty field. Now, whom do we move to? One of your other friends. Yeah, Emerald. She is a high priestess of dark. And for some reason, she is looking at the mirror. She's looking at her own reflection. I don't know what symbolism that is. You brought up this before, but I have no idea what it is. So I I guess I'll wrap up. She's gazing at the world through a mirror, basically constantly. Like it comes up again, again throughout the chapter, how she looks at the world. And the mirror is slightly smudged and she doesn't clean it up. Because she doesn't want to see the world like clearly. She wants to see her own illusions, right? Okay. And she brings up like the death of illusions and all that. And then she like she looks at Tintara when she comes and we're gonna get to and that. Wishes later. She that she'll, like, yeah, and yeah. wishes she's gonna erase it. And um it's it's a lot. Because Emerald is old and unlike Shintara, she doesn't look particularly appealing. Once more, once more I show to you 
the taste uh, prejudice against wrinkles yeah they have like oh really God, very beauty standards i know i mean imagine if somebody took botox to that taste society <laughs> they'll be mother dark. no knowing knowing the taste yeah they would probably all contract botulism out of spite just like <laughs> give one another botulism just all the time so let's not do that <laughs> maybe there are some safer alternatives no you should just send a, <laughs> a well trained plastic surgeon with supplies and he'll be like the god like mother dark will be left alone and yeah how does one paint love this is how look at me products <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> so okay so right so this was emerald uh, linear linear i don't know linear, why i keep linear. thinking linear because nothing is linear here So anyway mm. she wishes she could exchange places with her yeah this whole chapter is quite messy did you notice that like it starts did, with them yeah. thinking and then it goes back to them doing stuff and then it comes back to them thinking it has yeah, been like, like 10 pages like of uh, capos encounters about flashback of him while he rides through the forest and he just yeah. thinks back to everything it's a, it's a mess it is messy yeah but it's good it's a, it's a nice chapter <clears throat> so anyway she is looking at her reflection and she wishes she could exchange places with it and so on and okay yeah sorry 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 no, no, if no, i do on, that if, if i do that every time like emerald makes a comment we're going to be here all day so <laughs> i don't just, think just i wanted like, that a detail what emerald okay. is saying is more like you know the, like the, the illusions bit the mirror how she treats sandara how she you know it's a lot but we'll get okay. to that sure so anyway there are some priestesses behind it all the lesser ones and they're all fretting and gossiping and so on and in her mind she imagines them turning into like crows sort of like crow like things but i would have imagined they would turn into like the vivals right which would make more sense because they're taste great they can't be great ravens because that's a different story no i'm completely off base doesn't matter now i think it's just like a metaphor for you know them being like they're crones right they're gossiping yeah but it's not to do with i mean it's it's not a nice image so I no, think obviously that. not. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> the point is that it's not a nice image. Yeah. So anyway, who comes in now? Enter Sintara. Yep. She is a young woman of power, like polished gold and dripping blood. And again and again we are told that she has like pale skin, pallid hands and mm-hmm. it it comes up randomly Wait. here and there. Before we now go into Sintara. Now you can do your symbolism, but before we get into that, um yeah. note like the very last thing. Emerald thinks before Sindar enters the picture. Oh my god, you've done a very detailed list. Yeah. Mirrors I fear are an invitation to suicide. What? Emerald Emerald just needs a hug, dude, like really badly. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't think I read this chapter as closely as you done. It's uh 355 on my end, if you're curious. Yeah, I am curious. You can't have dead air like this. I don't have it. no one's going to see this but doesn't matter you know how can you page. oh my god we're, we're going to cut this anyway i'm no, worried sir, who is going to cut this i'm not going to cut this <laughs> so anyway mirrors are an invitation to suicide doesn't matter all happy things so please sintara comes in and you know what what my notes don't make any sense to me sorry she comes in and she says are you ready we have to go and this lady doesn't even bother replying and Okay, for some reason there is some history here. Shall I just go to the history part of it? Yeah. The sure. temple. Oh, actually they start walking, I believe. Anyway, this temple which has been taken they over by in Emerald Thinks. Just 
parentheses i'm always thinking while this is going on i think that's later i think that's a bit later right now they're just talking <laughs> yeah they're talking and she thinks while they're talking yeah so no wonder so anyway i she thinks that you know this temple which uh, right now mother dark has taken over was originally the one for a river god okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this river god's name has been obliterated from all records all she knows is that dosenril was named after the spirit so is it the spirit's name i don't know presumably maybe so the yan and yedan cults are from that era of the river god worshiping era mm-hmm. but emerald thinks these are all hollow fates because they have equated their suffering with faith and then for some reason emerald and what i mean just keep in mind first of all keep in mind the hypocrisy of a priest of mother dark saying this and also she fucking nailed it so <laughs> but then they don't really given to suffering is it the faith of darkness they go the other oh, way not suffering but like the ritual of abnegation and all of that you know shedding one's they own name yeah. so they yeah. can be yeah. more you know it's symbolic but you know sure. please continue uh the next thing is they have a lot of attitude towards each other like this one says uh, changes are coming sister and we must use it to our advantage and emerald says no no we have to first survive these changes and so uh, they you know they just hate each other and it's it's i don't, I don't like this type of things but anyway emerald uh, thinks that what kadaspala has drawn of sintara actually shows how cruel she is but <laughs> sintara is too dumb to notice she probably thinks it's a great painting and <laughs> and once again we see uh, people throwing shade at someone else for being old with wrinkles and yep. so on and she says that you know we are creating a religion here and why are you resisting all this and emerald says resistance comes from truth which is the only thing that made complete sense to me and anyway sintara and uh, she also asks about why didn't you let uh, humral meet uh, mother dark and she says no no i just delayed his appointment i didn't want to meet him right away and then she says that no he came and he met sintara and uh, so she knows the whole story of what's happened like how tris was found by the wardens and when the wardens were escorting her to karkanas the sheik monks have you know intercepted and they are bringing her to karkanas she knows the whole back story of this and then Wait, uh, obviously quite a few dozen of hunra's embellishments yeah and uh, em- emerald is quite amazing actually you know yes yes she is. so yes, she so is. she knows immediately that you know they are trying to uh, what hundal is trying to do is he's elevating the azatana as a threat so that they can start mustering arms and, and all that and now they wonder you know what will happen if uh, a holy marriage is announced how will the highborn and how will draconus and everyone react uh, emerald even says that did i say emerald I, in my mind she is emerald so she says that even if draconus she is emerald and the yeah she is a linear emerald yeah So if oh, Draconis cool, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I'm I'm interrupting you too much. Please carry on. You should you should please this is so much better than me just blabbering on. So uh, Emerald says that even if you know this uh, Draconis is sacrificed to appease the highborn how long before they start resenting the legion commanders? They're not going to you know suddenly start accepting all these lowborns come into their houses and all that. So uh, finally someone says it. <laughs> I mean yeah. Uh, and a return of urusandal will be like a drawn blade head over uh, held above our heads and would you dance for them is what emerald says sintara this ideally shouldn't make shouldn't be an insult except that sintara used to be an alley dancer and a prostitute which okay it's we bring yeah. this up a lot later and we've talked about this over privately but the irony of a cult that elevates sacred prostitution slut shaming people is absurd 
It is it's beyond absurd. Like Emerald has probably fucked her way up all the way to high priestess, and she's like, "Oh, but you were an alley dancer once." Oh my, who gives you shit? <laughs> no, that was unsanctioned. That was abusive. Oh. You know, right, you can't right. accept up. You can't accept victims of abuse. You can accept people who choose it. Right, makes like zero sense. Right, right. So, <laughs> and it's really, really sad. And the thing is, you know what is even worse. that this type of slut shaming actually affects her like she can't just the... laugh at it and say you know so what yeah i used to do that big deal get over it or something it's not like that poor thing it actually affects her and it it's so ingrained in that society right that this is not the norm it is also you know like an insult upon shandara's vanity which is the other thing that defines her you know like she is beautiful and she knows it and that's basically her whole personality at this point in time you know She is yeah. vain, she is ambitious, she is hot stuff and she doesn't have much time, you know, she's making a religion. Uh, what the fuck are we waiting for? We have shit to do. Yeah. And then Emerald comes along and like, yeah, but keep it down, hot stuff. <laughs> so anyway, uh she says something like you've been hearing too much alley rumors. This is yeah. how she gets back. And she says I know at least enough that uh, Draconis's hatred is purely jealousy. People are just jealous of him. Oh, but fucking then... finally. <laughs> and sintara points out that no no but he has also doubled his house plate so it's not just jealousy people hate him because he is a threat and she says no in if i was in his place i would have done the same maybe it's best if mother dark just marries draconis sintara is like extremely shocked and she's like oh thank god nobody's listening to you for advice <laughs> and then she has one more zinger about her wrinkles and then the scene ends and emerald says that when she looks in the mirror it's not herself that she looks at and that's when the scene ends yeah what yeah because the reflection in the mirror is an idealized form of sister emerald right symbolism if you say so no, she doesn't mean i guess you mean she looks at sandara but no she means like no, when no, she, she looks at herself means, in the mirror she looks at yeah, this other look, version of herself it's not yeah. it's not herself and she like wishes and, to step into the mirror and stuff you know like all of this is like somehow like with because There is some measure of self-loathing with Sister Emerald. She's too old for this shit. She feels cheated. You know, there's no need for two high priestesses. Why is her why is this like poor with me? You know, like why did she get elevated ahead of me? Like am I not enough? Am I not good enough? Like what's up? And um yeah. So just keep keep this in mind. Emerald's a fairly interesting character. She but is, yeah. As with most dice, she has certain traits which, you know, No, for me I thought the mirror thing was sort of like what Tris brings up next where people confuse the symbol with the yeah. truth of things. Oh wait, I mean <laughs> because that's what we were seeing how the Korea <laughs> like beyond that also even even with the cripple god we see such things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we meet your friends Kaplo Dream and Rish, my boyfriend <laughs> and my other boyfriend whom I rejected. You are not spinak in this story. I'm sorry to say. How unfortunate. <laughs> okay. Go on. Please take a minute. Kaplo team Andresh are bringing Tris and uh, for some reason Kaplo is extremely sweaty and nervous and Andresh is very quiet. This is not their norm. And now we go back 3 days back and find out what happened. Kaplo is actually thinking that he shouldn't have made an enemy of Farrer Hand. And so you know what is the next best thing to do once you make an enemy it is to undermine her reputation <laughs> which yeah which makes sense something or the other 
so <clears throat> even though uh, she's like engaged to a hero of the realm he decides mm-hmm. that this is what he's going to do because politics yeah. is like a second skin to him and we go back to the scene where the mother she can't do she can't so that's why she she can't do sorry i think so, the intended pronunciation is shakanto but i, I don't say care sh- i'm saying she can't, say she can't i'm i might even say yeah. mother she can't and okay. dress both of them talk yeah, and you know can't. what it's she's like one of her cousins she can't no this is like she can't but mother dark she won't isn't it see Ooh. see Ooh. okay that's a good one yeah <laughs> do you know what is the name of the place where we see shikanto uh, is that that place the womb in uh, the old tongue yeah because in tongue? some tongue uh, who cares but the thing is uh, our temples are also named that way the oh. innermost sanctum is usually called the word means womb actually like womb house or something where the god is placed like instead mm-hmm. of an altar that's what we call it you don't no, have we call it the holies or like the you know the sanctum or something like that yeah sanctum the the equivalent word in like hindi tamil and all would yeah, be sanctum sanctum in latin means sacred or holy so yeah here it's like just holy but it's actually called there is the, the discussion is the to word. be had yeah, yeah there's something to be had up here about discussions on like patriarchal societies versus matriarchal societies and which one changes and how the benefit of what I, how this I, shows I, you know how religion is morphed by gender roles but we're not going to have it here because it's you know it's boring it's not boring it's it's happening like right now so i don't want to talk it about is it. too yeah i mean it, religion is still a thing that's ongoing yes <laughs> yeah you know the the actual discussion to be had is like how thai society is what we are living in right now all this decadence all this yeah. is not 300000 years old it's now that that's basically what i'm finding as i'm reading that it it just feels so annoying to see all these things I like know. in fantasy and i know and I, know. <laughs> I know i know yeah like, i read this shit not to get frustrated with real life please god damn it please i know i know but then but yeah Erickson has told us that this is not escapist fantasy, right? He doesn't write escapist yeah. literature. That should be like a disclaimer somewhere on the on top of the book. Not escapist. <laughs> okay, enough digression. Let's get back to the scene where Mother Shikanto and Triss are talking. And, uh, uh, you know, Mother Shikanto also notices that her name is Triss. So that means someone who has named her who knew the old tongue. Do we find out later what Triss means? Uh, born of a bitter. Or born of a sea, rather. born from water something like that no don't look up don't she, says what, up. she says what her name is no no, no she says what her name it is it doesn't come up not in this chapter i mean what no like when she asks for a name she translates the name for you she says i am come from the sea oh that is a or translation from, supposedly okay, let's let's look up later we have wasted enough time it's like okay yeah yeah so uh, she asks her will you be our guest and trist tells her this light is pretty but the fountain is dry it doesn't have a feel you know for a mother's temple it's very unmother like yeah. you know for a womb it's very dry yeah and she says you get lost go to mother dark and says no no i'll be here but your faith is empty because your god is dead you have changed and harnessed its power so much that you have killed your god oh no do oh, not the fuck up can... woman jesus i can see you get excited over that <laughs> Tristus goes from like zero like this lights pretty to 100 like you your faith is empty and you've <laughs> your killed god. your god what the fuck yeah and uh, for some reason mother chicken to ask her like your azatnay are usually known for tact and she says no no the... she breaks down even tact and says that is just amused condescension 
does it make you feel better but you are dying there's nothing to sustain you but what dying i'm going to go and take bath in the fountain <laughs> and off she goes right and that's when uh, caplon shekanto talk this is very very uh, fun she tells him that you know the next time they go raiding and try to recruit people to their uh, monastery she tells him that they have to go in darkness sneak in kill the mothers first because they need their children for their order yeah and right? uh, and then before we get into like anywhere twist speaks basically only metaphorically when she's trying to make a point yeah, and yeah. she comes here to like this is wool like the rug she's on right now is wool yeah and it's made from sheep which I don't know adolescent sheep because you either kill the very young or the very old the very okay. old are like disgusting and not very tasty but the young are very succulent so you guys go on to take the young and recruit them into your cause and then yeah. she like leaves and like about like mother we couldn't take the young you couldn't do what <laughs> next time go through go with employees still like one night and kidnap them like what the fuck yeah, i know okay she's <laughs> she's So anyway, uh, then uh, she tells him that Kaplow has to accompany Triss when she goes to see Mother Dark, and the point is to assassinate Triss. Like, oh yeah, by the way, Kaplow is an assassin. So it, yeah, oh, we finally we find out that yeah. So anyway, <laughs> this is why people job. don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, he's an anemic assassin. So the point <laughs> yeah. is that he should at least attempt to assassinate her, and if possible, better he dies in the process. This will ensure that Mother Dark is assured of Shake loyalty. and second mm-hmm. it will absolve them of any consequences because they are the ones who are taking trist to meet her right it's who it's who which by the way resh more or less told us last chapter that like this is a really shitty idea like chapter 7 yeah. last chapter that okay. you know on the one hand i want to take trist to the citadel to see what shit goes down but if she gets out of hand we're fucked <laughs> okay. so shekanto tells scapel like well you fucked this up you were you were the reason we're here so i'm going to shed your blood as a proof of shake loyalty i don't think it was like pointedly him it was just that because he's there yeah yeah they just I want mean, to ensure that shake he's just yeah, the yeah. only person capable of actually doing it yeah and he doesn't object or anything he's quite okay with the idea so and something they talk about how mother dark has only darkness to defend her especially because mm-hmm. the gigachar has gone west So yeah. then Kaplo asks, you know, maybe let me at least try to kill her here itself. I don't want to go there because Rake will be there and Silka's ruin will be there. But she doesn't care. Uh, Mother Shikanto just tells him that there are some more work and then she t- tells him some secret things to do, which we don't find out in this chapter. So outside, what is Tris doing? Once again, she's swimming in the fountain. And this, mm-hmm. because I have to, I have to summarize this. Just listen. I don't care how much you understand. Okay. Kaplo admires Tris. because he's not a child and only children will gawk at swimming women and kaplo says that some lessons will be repeated rush says but those lessons will not be learned this is a time to write a new treatise and kaplo says the critics will eat you up and <laughs> rush says i don't care and something something that the talk turns to how betrayal begins and ends with words and maybe mother dark should have been mother silence and then there would be peace but he asks you know You, you know what I'm going to do. You know, you know yeah, is. okay. Yeah, thanks. So then uh, Kaplow says, then, does it mean that is violence always a form of betrayal? Resh says, yeah. Like even a hawk, which is trying to eat a hare, or, if, uh, or swift, which is trying to catch a fly, or anything, all these, acts, all, all these acts of violence, is this also a type of betrayal? And he says, yes. And Kaplow says, then, we are all doomed, because do yeah, we have to trash. betray just to survive? Yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get you. Yeah, no, no, that's all. We are all we are all betrayers. Yeah. And then that's why philosophers drink 
and he says no no they drink because they don't they are weak of will and he says no and because their will has been assaulted <laughs> i am the only him. one yeah i am the only one who's <laughs> capable enough to admit it yeah so and he says so that's because their will has been assaulted by revelations like this and he says not all revelations are an assault keep in mind this exact same line comes back like hardly a few pages down and then tris uh, meets him and says that oh it's it's a good thing your mother has advised you against murdering me yeah 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 Yeah, just um, a little aside. Uh, it so very quick TLDR. The dominant driving force behind philosophy until you know, like the Enlightenment, eighteenth century in Europe, was faith, right? Okay. And then when they turned away from faith, they turned to reason. And so it's very ironic, in my opinion, that Kaplow says that Russia's reason is weak when the Sheikh have killed their god inadvertently. so they have nothing like they talk about philosophers well they have nothing to stand on no roots to stand on okay. they're lost and we see that like in the beginning of the chapter in the of the page you know, where they're writing in silence and like okay they're fucked right they're lost and shakanda is telling them okay you are going to go kill yourself so we can prove to other dark that we're loyal to her yeah because we have nothing else to do because no god stains us so nice so please nice. carry on yeah yeah um So Tris says that she knows that mother has been advising him not to mm-hmm. kill her, and he says that you know he doesn't mean any yeah. harm to her personally. Just nothing murder, personal. Murder is unseemly, you know. Like murder always <laughs> is unseemly. And he would only try to protect his own. And she knows this is a very ambiguous thing to say. And as a killer, mm-hmm. he will be given reasons, but he yeah. will also does privately. That, yeah. Does I know that comment refer to me personally or people in general? <laughs> <laughs> I do I, not know sufficient people to comment on them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I believe you are a killer, and that you both given re- uh, are both given reasons for the necessity and assemble in private more of your own, bolstering such justifications as needed. Nice. And she just like yeah, just destroys Kaplow rationally, and Kaplow <laughs> and Rash. In now, like, all of a sudden, Rash starts feeling some kind of yeah. reaction. Yeah. He feels some strong power, and then they find out that the River God is no longer dead, and now. these people have to give answer to their god and kaplow doesn't obviously kaplow doesn't feel anything and he asks rash what are you feeling and all he can reply is rage like it's the river god's rage is it mm-hmm. so now the whole monastery is turned upside down shikanto is bedridden sisters are dying at yedan monastery it seems the water in the great well has started boiling yes i swear i'm going to stop it yeah. there is a quote that goes like uh, the hawk betrays the hare the swift betrays the fly God okay. was chained to our will, and God now rages. Oh, nice! So nice. Kaplow, you know, realizes the words Rash said. But um, what I want to bring up is a quote from Kaminsod in the Crippled God, mm-hmm. where he does not say God now rages. God looks into your eyes, and God cringes. Mm-hmm. And you tell me which one is more savage. <laughs> Kaminsod is is the OG. So yeah. No, anyway. Um, what all okay all this is happening and then on the third day tris gets ready to leave and warlock rish is about to stay back but she tells him no no you have to join me because i have something to show you which will begin in the forest in the river and so on and she tells them that <clears throat> what she brings mother dark is change and whether to accept this or resist it is her choice why are you laughing yeah, she brings change but really literally because she has a vessel full of bitter with her i mean Which she like places into the chamber. So like, yeah, she brings change, but very literally. Okay. Okay. Fine. Yeah. So anyway, uh, she says that she has understood the nature of water. Like in peace, water runs clear. All the big quotes are in this chapter with Tris. So 
yeah it was an amazing chapter and when something about water, water, clear something about the scene or dreaming of you yeah yeah and she says that she's her job is to go stir the waters when she meets mother dark and mm-hmm. what does she give them she brings them chaos now you can ask me what type of chaos is it like just chaos or capital c chaos or all caps chaos because i can't say <laughs> it could she could mean anything so it's a chaos id bashable to her yeah oh. oh god never mind that was a shit joke i'm sorry please continue i, I didn't get it does it matter yeah, it's a it's a song slash album by a band so okay yeah. like so anyway kaplu yeah. he doesn't feel you wanted to continue no no Maybe no no more yeah. jokes <laughs> i've made way too many already please continue We're, i think we should just call it a day after this one chapter i'm i'm i still have like a quarter left so anyway kaplu doesn't have any sensitivity because as a child he was he had knelt before pragmatism imagination is a dangerous thing to him so as he ride through this woodland he starts feeling a chill even though he doesn't have any powers there is no awakening they just pass through some, some shadowy areas and he does not know what lives beyond the trail <clears throat> and rest say something like this forest people are the really truly free ones not the newly turned away ones but the original untamed people of which maybe 100 is left but who knows and knowing too much <laughs> and knowing too much will lose the mystery that's Humility. your favorite quote go on go on okay, there is um, value in so yeah, yeah he says uh, <laughs> there is value in not knowing <clears throat> and that caplo um, yeah roll that thick there is no value in not knowing roll that thick hide of yours rash <laughs> and shake free of this nonsense the value of not knowing what value you have no answer and so you conclude that non exists and there in your reaction oh pallid wretch lies the lesson yeah riddles now you know how much i dislike riddles yeah with it then tell me what i lack what is gained in not knowing yeah. humility you fool yeah and i think this also British, and more you know deranged and you know my god is alive and i'm dying but you know pretend address <laughs> also comes back to the same thing that the only thing worthy of worship is humility itself right because they have confused symbols with meanings Honestly, you can take this entire passage and just put it on a wall and you have all of kirkanas's storyline with mother dark distilled into one like every faith mm-hmm. that comes up from here birth of light father light mother dark, anything this and our chapter this and our not even the chapter just this passage Yeah, yeah. Put it on a wall. You're done. That's it. <laughs> There's still lessons of the entire book here. Yeah. So, do you want me to tell more about it, or please go on? Just... I'm just going to gush over it. But continue. No, I don't have much. It's just about you know they carve symbols of waves and then give it a thousand faces. Was it here or was it later? I don't know where that is. So anyway, uh, in ritual they have abased themselves, but it has just become rote now. But mm-hmm. the the god doesn't know what to do with all this. all the god wants its comprehension of the meaning of its own existence and so what does her god want is what rish wants to know and rish has a sweet answer dear child he wants you to be free okay so mm-hmm. now as he keep riding kaplo thinks to himself he doesn't welcome revelations really? <laughs> <laughs> kaplo thinks while he rides yeah and but yeah <clears throat> but he can understand even his mind can understand what exactly she means and there is this old poem taist poems are fun because it's just like four words it says in tears and often it's kalan self inserts no this one is not this, this one, one is pointedly but generally speaking yeah yeah so this one is just it says in tears water runs free and for finally they reach the edge of the forest and then we can cut to 
emerald and sintara walking through the citadel to the old temple where you know the structure is such that it looks like an eye inside a socket and as they're walking suddenly they are hit with icy water and emerald thinks the eye oh god emerald thinks the eye is open and sintara is the dense one so she thinks no no it's the azathana has done something <laughs> and emerald sends you know the <clears throat> she stops the procession sends all the other priestesses back and who walks in like a boy band the three of them <laughs> the curious brothers it's like an emo boy band the three of them walk in and then they say what's going on the river is flooding and so on and uh, all she tells all emerald says is it's the shake the shake are bringing tris <clears throat> and this much information is enough this kind of writing is what i really like because immediately rake understands what's going on silkus thinks maybe they want a faith war and then he also understands what's going on <clears throat> and between them they figure out pretty much everything like skelinal is riding to meet shekanto so now they have to in future they are going to have to look at uh, warlock resh and which ruvera for the future and mm-hmm. with resh kaplo is also coming so rake is hesitant to kill someone at mother dark's feet he doesn't want to spill blood there and sintara doesn't understand obviously so she is getting quite impatient yeah like it should be like you mentioned the writing but it's the names alone like Warlock Rash and Capital of Dream are coming and that's enough for the two three of them to conclude that okay Shakanto yeah. is scared shitless and Trace is going to die yeah <clears throat> we should not share her panic this is what they finally decide but anyway yeah. because Sintara is that's uh, an understand instead of being nice and explaining things to her because she is so junior Rake is a is an asshole to her and he calls <laughs> he says stuff like your height it's a dampness and it is pretty disgusting and he even tells her to read galar's trophies of youth apparently what what kind of sh- throwing shade is that go read this poetry book this i'm throwing shade by referring you to books and something and that is nice because even this poem apparently the words fade by the end of the page or something so <clears throat> uh sintara goes in to uh, to talk to mother dark the two brothers go off to meet uh, prasak and dathanor dathanor and they also want to yeah and Silkas even mentions that he might meet Kelaras uh, who has returned from Hust. Just hearing this Emerald knows what's going on. I really enjoy such things, you know, because she just hears the names and knows, okay, the, so the son of darkness is getting a Hust sword. What is this going to? Yeah, and if like a cry of a uh, Hust blade resounds in the world. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he uh, so TLDR is Rake's Latsham Sintara poor thing yeah. again. It's it's a glorious quote. I'm sorry. It is not. It is not a glorious one. I mean, it's amazing. Fine, fine. You want to tell us? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, I shall uh, surrender all decorum out here in the corridor. By all means, I shall remain out here <coughs> in the corridor. Um, I shall remain above such awkwardness, since it seems that I alone understand the position of high priestess, and that her encounters with uh, would that be on your knees, Sindara? and then he just storms off without a word it's just oh. i've told you this before but of all the people rake the one who was never yeah, at yeah. least spinak we know has refused somebody he has refused at least one person rake canonically has not refused anyone rake he's been canonically a fucking dragon and he just yes, slash shamed somebody exactly like come on not he's the last person who should go around saying on your knees and blah blah my god your knees must be chafed by now and he has no right telling about them sintara is a child child sex victim poor thing there right enough uh, 
So the river is flooding, and it was once known for seasonal floods. It has started. You can't follow mm-hmm. along line by line because after this, I I sort of went haphazard. So uh, it has started overflowing into the streets, and <clears throat> but at the same time, the river is also withdrawing. Why? Because Mother Duck's power is able to like hold back the river. This impresses Triss, and her temple has been taken over by the gods. So she wants Mother Duck to understand that to bind is to we- is to weaken. To hold is to make vulnerable, and the temple, yes, Draconis, and the temple is a focal point for worship, and that's when the thin, uh, skin is thinnest. Yes, yes, Draconis. Okay, now I'm sorry. <laughs> to bind is to weaken, Draconis. <laughs> Took you what, like 120,000 years to I... figure that out, dumbass. Okay, it's getting late. Stop. So, they know that the temple which Mother Dark is staying in now, it is not yet sanctified. And then we find out uh, Thai's royal history. <clears throat> One second. Yeah. So, since we were going on about Thai's royal history, and Mora's voice is giving in a little bit, so we're going to do it till the end. Basically, um, a few years, decades, centuries, uh, I don't know if it's specified. I'm going to guess a few decades. I don't know. I'm de- decades, yeah. Um, a few decades ago, there was a big battle. Presumably with either the Forulkin or something before then, upon which the consort slash husband of the last queen of Pearl Galane had been slain in battle. And then the queen went forth to go and find the body of her husband, but was slain in battle. Her body was never found, but her husband's body was. And she was half-sister to Mother Dark, but she was ineligible to rule. And there were plans to make exceptions, but then someone came along and fucked that up. Um, but Triss basically guesses. I don't know how the fuck she guesses this. I'm orange. I don't know how the fuck she guesses this exactly, but she extrapolates from this little information by asking Gaplo, you don't seem to be lying to me. You openly dislike me, but you will answer my questions truthfully. Your higher graces are the royal line. And Gaplo says, yes. Yes, the... Siblings of the deceased queen are Father Skelenol and Mother Shikanto. Um, and despite being siblings, they are life-bound. They're married in the Sheikh manner, which we know from previous conversations with Farrer and the like, that they are not exactly being married in the traditional way. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, basically, Resh asked Pablo, like, are you fucking, like, are you sir? Like, should we, should we be talking about, should, should she know? Why should she know? Why does she need to know this? And um, yeah, we just basically learned that um, diced royalty makes absolutely no sense because they are a theocracy and they should not have lowborn and highborn when there's no royalty to speak of, but whatever. Classism is classism, yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, for some reason they say something like, by love aggrieved, she casts the realm into chaos. Who? Who casts the realm into chaos for love? The queen, queen because she loves her husband. Just the queen? It's a lesson. It's a history lesson. Yeah. I mean, let's go on. Let's go on. You know. So Sarapul <clears throat> and company are watching from above. God, what is it? I can't hear it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything because my spoilers. So, yeah. yeah, I know. So anyway, the river has risen to cleanse her path. It's this whole thing. I, I really love it. Just walking Faith through the Survive a little water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarapul like gloriously misses the point and the symbol is like, yeah, whatever. It's still a bit of water. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. And then Rizerat says that, you know, now there could be contest for the temple because the river god is back. 
like even warlock resh will be able to claim it guys <clears throat> also thinks that mother dark is not the one at threat here because only in opposition do you find definitions for some things like darkness is itself a difficult thing to worship okay so that by the way is a philosophical concept dated by the hinduism and buddhism what, what? this okay. you know this definition and opposition of like different things are defined in opposition to one another and everything's in flux and impermanent mm-hmm. so darkness and light for it's a whole thing because you know but basically you you will find this exact concept of forces being defined by being opposite to one another like light is the absence of darkness and darkness is the absence of light yeah so you will find this in religion all over the world from hinduism and buddhism to um ancient greek philosophy I, like I, okay i'm going to look it up but basically uh it's a way to describe impermanence and how things are constantly in flux and changing <clears throat> because no, no? i I'm, i'm not familiar sorry okay yeah but yeah basically this this is an important uh thing to mention that you know forces are defined in opposition right okay i okay fine right so now uh, okay and they also talk about history of the river god that mm-hmm. there was some rejection was it due to guilt like the god was dying and so that displeases me on countless levels acolyte <laughs> and then again misses the point gloriously yeah, yeah. yeah and i think goes off with, he takes endest and goes off so now uh, emerald is waiting and she is thinking about how mother dark used to you have i missed a quote no 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 it's like um basically they like enda suggests that they defaced the god like the iconography of the god because they were guilty and feeling guilty for killing him and but <laughs> yeah you know i just think it's like interesting to mention that um the the faith died and was defeated and like died off because the followers realize that in worshiping they killed their own god. We've seen this before in other books like Greyfrog for instance was the first person to mention this actually. Yeah, was like yeah. the silent god. Yeah. He died nice, like nice the first drop of blood. Like that's this is the exact same thing. People <clears throat> killing their dating killing both metaphorically and literally in this case by doing <clears throat> such acts. And okay, I'm not going to get into the philosophy of this but just, just all of these are th- like this entire chapter is just Carcanas distilled into one chapter and I just have so much to say about it I'm sorry. Why didn't you just take this chapter then? <laughs> Obviously I'm not know. going this I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, anyway. Please uh she's thinking about how Mother Dark used to be this idealistic romantic woman and traditionally it's hard lives which forge hard loss. But the Tais have always had easy lives so they have easy loss except this war happened and everything has changed now. And then uh, Tris walks in <clears throat> glowing and warm. ice starts cracking the walls start groaning and to mandy she tells him night is going to claim your skin but i will make visible your defiance and he says azatnai i ask no gift side i'd have no defiance and i offer no defiance yeah. and okay you're going to bring this up later but i just want to point out that it took me like three reads of the chapter and like to think about it actively to realize that the silver skin Mm-hmm. the silver sheen of his hair is his defiance i'm just fucking stupid that was my first tweet thing yeah right. okay so i'm just not very observant it seems please continue because that was the one thing up. i was very fixated on that when it describes his skin as pale gold i was waiting for when this transformation would happen and mm-hmm. then it's nice it's fun because yeah it's, it's cool it's i don't know he's always fighting with people here also yeah there's a reason for his uh, pantene hair yeah, yeah. 
it's it's really nice isn't it he just he must have just like steve must have created the character as oh it would be cool to have black skin and white hair and it's so it's so amazing looking and then they come up with a whole back story right so uh then she tells emerald your sorrow is lonely you have secret roots but do not give voice to them and emerald says you're being too presumptuous and tris says something which i really like she says something like i can't help who i am you know she has after all come here to stir the waters i wonder why you like that <clears throat> yeah gee. it's a big mystery yeah gee why could it be <laughs> and then she says uh, that the ties think of the witch as an enemy but actually actually the sea does not dream of you and then she walks in resh goes behind her yeah and rake does not allow caplo to go in he grabs him and gives him a shake and he says that he doesn't allow the go in he fucking grabs the guy by the shirt pulls him up points him against the wall like no motherfucker you're not going in <laughs> oh you turned orange yeah and then he says that if ever you come back here i'm going to spike you to the wall myself or something and then they go in by that time the meeting is over and sintana runs out she looks as pale as alabaster and she her face is twisted in pain or something and she says i have chosen my gift and runs away nobody knows what's going on oh my god then arish then says that time has probably twisted in the chapter in the chamber he does not know how long tris and uh, mother dark have spoken but all that all he knows is that tris had got wit inside and now the temple is sanctified even mother dark has turned dark finally roll credit and she tells him that emerald is now the high priestess she's the only one darkness has been forged roll credits oh yeah finished we're done and now there is a new uh, chasm in their fate so the mm-hmm. waters have to part and this has to happen the wound has to be has to happen so that it may heal now rake wants to know what has happened because he wants to deal with it he is an action doer and he says i'm going to defend what i believe in and he says but what is worthy of your belief that's all that is ever the question or something and they all have night vision and everything and then mother dark looks at his white hair and says i could tell you about your mother but he says i'm not interested i have no love for this woman who i don't remember unlike arathan poor fellow who remember who doesn't remember but still and has that not made you curious why should it no i mean that that would that's from other direct sides like that's what i she don't says, remember but my it mother doesn't make me curious. doesn't make you curious as to why you don't remember your mother <clears throat> so anyway she says uh, the shake or deniers are not your enemy and he says then name your enemy who is your enemy and she says none just maintain peace don't draw a sword win, win the peace for me but don't draw a sword yeah it's she even tells them out loud what she wants and anamanda rake is a hothead he leaves and then mother ducks tells okay, emerald i'm going to break character and say that yeah do be fair to mandy to be fair yeah she is being a bit cryptic but no man is an idiot she is guy. not she tell she told you out right what she wants come on she is the goddess she is telling you these are not my enemy all i want is peace don't go around killing people because that's not the way you're going to get peace what does he do he goes with order swords hold that thought what you just said because i'm going to bring it up to in the next bit because i find it unintentionally hilarious okay all right or oh, these two hunral and sintara fiction is that what you want to no, no 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 like in the discussion when we have full spoilers okay fine okay oh my god it's we've been going for so long i think we'll have to do it another day right uh he leaves and then what happens uh, uh, mother dark and emerald have this very silly conversation she says that i once <laughs> asked karaspala how to paint love and he said he doesn't know but this one i really liked and then uh, you know mother dark say something like when you can start seeing in darkness nothing is hidden except darkness itself right that's one thing you can't see which is this 
it's nice it's a nice thing to say it's, now you know this whole other section i have condensed into like four lines so yeah, just bear with me i mean the tldr is a hundred <coughs> yeah so hundral and sintara they have a conversation they're both slightly drunk and they start establishing rules for the liosan faction because she's not slightly drunk Hunral is half drunk. Sintara comes in, guzzles down an entire pitcher of ale in like three gulps, and then she's drunk. No, so but then she's different. not really drunk. She plays being drunk to get his confidence. That's what I thought. So anyway, she has the light within her, and she has been cast out of night, and she has come here asking for his sanctuary. <clears throat> he figures out that, you know, she was not cast out. She just ran out of because of shame. And then they both figure out that light and dark, dark needs to be in balance. So... she will name i'll just finish this okay, piece you just said that, you know she just uh, he says to fled in shame and yeah but before that she slaps him in the face well that also happens yeah that happens in between she slaps him and then uh, they decide that you know she's going to name urusander as father light and they're going to say things like darkness is ignorance and light is justice now that that is a very hindu thought darkness yeah. is ignorance and light is you know knowledge so that's what we do that's why we pray fire at all yeah. that they're defined in opposition you know dark i don't know what definitions so, but you know, use like, light to pray that's that's yeah. the whole thing okay and then they but start defining the absence of knowledge right that's what i mean like that's do you know what time it is here sorry sorry sorry, sorry. Yeah. please carry on so, uh, sorry yeah and because they have uh, called themselves the leosan they have to define their enemies who are their enemies all non leosan so draconis is their big enemy all the deniers both the monasteries all of them are their enemies because all they're trying to do is protect mother dark she says something like you're going to plunge the realm into civil war and he says no no we are going to prevent it after prevent they do everything to instigate it they're going to prevent the civil war so that's the whole idea of what they're going to do and then he agrees to send her to rusander along with a safe escort she will be hooded and stuff and now the last section do you have anything more to add in sintara and uh yeah that uh hunrak sent agents that are basically oh, going yeah. oh, to yeah. instigate yeah. civil war and they just said like oh fuck we shouldn't do this but it might be too late we'll get the fuck up and make sure that it isn't too late and guess what happens right the next scene yeah so that's what happens so orfantel and company are walking are riding somewhere and they notice that you know a group a small troop passes them he notices their uniform they're all wearing legion uniform and grip is sitting with his head bowed as if he's praying to something he's basically hiding because he's an old and known veteran that yeah. for context why they're so surprised uh his whole tola hold and naritsor are like two weeks apart by horse they're like oh. really far away and there should be no legionaries here and that's what it's a disbanded uh, group which has again taken arms that's what stands mm-hmm. out to them it's a disbanded one so anyway mm-hmm. uh, immediately grip understands the situation he tells orfantel to run just take the horse and keep running because the group after a point they notice that you know they have been noticed and they turn back and uh, orfantel just keeps running poor fellow and he sees harald's uh, horse riding past him without a rider he hears all sword fighting be- behind him and then to escape two people he takes the horse over a clay river bed and it gets caught and it drowns and, and it dies and, and he cries With... holding its neck oh, yeah 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 he holds its yeah, neck no. and keeps crying and then at last he feels like a betrayer himself like there was no big betrayer he himself is a betrayer and he crawls to some nearby broken rocks for shelter so this was chapter 9 hopefully the next one will be chapter 10 so we're now going to be doing the chapter 10 summary i don't think we need much to do we can just get into it immediately right 
please do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last we left off, we were with um, <coughs> who had Otra. just been waylaid yeah. by a bunch of uh, disbanded Legion soldiers, and well, he, yeah, his horse died. So, so now we're with said um, disbanded Legion soldiers following the immediate aftermath of the last scene. The attack was an unprepared, unqualified hot mess, and the blame is laid at the feet of Salan, whom we might have heard of before. He is um, the father of said eponymous Salan, who and husband oh, to Estella. Yes. Oh, okay. And he is also a captain in Year's Hundred Legion. So, um, a child, Orphanel, escaped them into the. Oh, okay. I just figured that out. Yeah, because it mentions that they had a son. Yeah, who they have gave... an acolyte son. Oh, yes. My God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they think that the child who escaped them and into the hills will die sooner than later from starvation or the elements. And uh, also, Hishtula is in the residence. We know she's in Kurganas, and her castellan is reportedly a dull idiot. Not quite the wording they used, but that's the gist. So, you know, everything should be fine, right? Alas, it's not, because <laughs> Grip, the old man who was with Orphantel, was once footman to Anamander himself. And Haral was also a veteran of the wars. They mauled the legion pretty badly, and though Grip took a spear to the back, his body wasn't retrieved. Everyone on the troop capable of understanding what that means is losing their marbles. Risp, second cousin of Honral and RPOV, uh, musters a squad's worth of trackers to find Orphandal and Grip. If they make it to Korkanas, the legion is boned. Yeah. Back over at Tular Hold, Sukul and Kadu has witnessed the smoke rising from the burning hides that the caravan was carrying. She calls upon Ransept, the Hold Castellan. To take her and the, see the site with 15 house blades and a fist of tracking dogs. Uh, Ransept, who is allegedly a thousand year old Tice with a temper and a repeatedly smashed nose, uh, allots her one house blade, incidentally himself, himself. and Ribs, a yeah. sickly stupid dog constantly surprised by the smell of its own ass. They're going on foot as well, in spite of Sugo's clothing. So I should note here that usually we have like different scenes, but this is basically all one scene, all one setting. That just goes back and forth. So, you know, three settings are basically the kill site, Tula Hold, and Orphandal in the hills. So, you know. In the meantime, then, we're with Orphandal, who's hiding in a cave uh, in the hills nearby. He's definitely scared. He's regretting his very existence. He's hypothermic, and he's probably won't going to make it through the night. Uh, his many regrets lie chiefly with the, with the horse, who he just witnessed de his death, which is pretty dramatic, and Renek, because he can't stomach himself being the betrayer in the stories, and he can't really find himself telling Renek, oh yeah, I betrayed the horse. But this, this is nothing like the stories, and he can't stomach that either. Someone is approaching him in the cave, and he f and fear floods through Orphantel, though the boy on the one hand is five, and on the other hand is too weak to do very much. Uh, turns out it's Grip, stronger. Uh, <laughs> but the old man is fairly wounded, and he's limping. Slowly, uh, Grip moves the blanket... Uh, the, the, fuck. Slowly, Grip moves the boy to a shallow cave nearby, where they settle in. He gives Orphantel a blanket that is not his, and it's not the boy's either, and warms him up. Orphantel will probably make it, but Grip might not. The old man recounts his tale to Orphantel. Haral and him stood, but the other tried to run away, and they got cut down from the back. Uh, they mauled the troop quite badly. We already saw the aftermath of Grip's doing. About two lobbed-off heads and an eviscerated guy. Uh, but not quite as bad as Grip would have liked, because they can still come after the two of them. There's still enough. The old soldier instructs Orphanel for the future. If he doesn't make it through the night, if Grip doesn't make it, uh, Orphanel has to make it to Dornamander at the soonest and let him know of the full details of what happened. If Grip does make it, well, he remembers each and every face of the soldiers that made it, and he'll make damn sure to meet, they, meet their maker in due time. 
and they two of them settle down to sleep. As night descends, Ransom and Shugul set off with Ribs at the front to investigate the gill site. Ribs apparently has a tapeworm, which Ransom doesn't bother to cure because he lives longer. And yeah. uh, if there's symbolism here, I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. No, so, it's yeah. not. Um, it's just. It's just a tapeworm. Okay. Yeah. Just a dog. It's just a dog. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the curtains are just blue. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, and the dog sets off to the hills to scout the trail. With the two of them alone, Sukul all but interrogates the killer. Within the lands of the, um, turns out that Ransom has had dealings with the deniers that are given shelter within the lands of Fill the Hold. Uh, said deniers often place um, road taxes on travelers. Not entirely unlike Lady Hish's tithe, but Sukul protests. The lands of Fill the Hold have been granted to the, lo- to the lady by royal charter, so it's legal and necessary as she places tithes on travelers riding through her lands. Bandits extorting people at the roadside is neither. Um, Can we just yeah. call it semantics? <laughs> so, yeah, Ribs has returned to Silent Sugul and yeah. Ransept takes a girl off to a side trail. As they walk, the interrogation continues. Lady Hish has made uh, arrangements with the deniers. They have been trading for cheese, leathers, and most importantly, information on individuals that treat the tithe, or more importantly, Individuals that don't wish to be seen. Yeah, yeah. They arrive at the trail and Ransom counsels silence. Rips' new stance, which Sugul cannot for the life of her discern what the difference is from the previous one, tells him they're strangers in the hills. Uh, they're close to the keep, but that won't help them much if a soldier decides to give them smiling throats. Sugul pads onward in silence, and since she can't talk, she thinks. The whole thing is irritating and nothing like what she had imagined. Do you see the parallel between her and Norvendal? There's a parallel. Oh, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like the stories. So she fights it hard to keep pace with Ransep and her clothes ill fit the occasion. But above all, she dreads the fact that Orphantal might be dead somewhere in the hills and all her promises would be for naught. Worse yet, if they'd found the boy, Hishula herself could be in danger. They being the soldiers of the Legion, not these two. Ransep pulls her. Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, Ransom pulls out of her trance. Riders are ahead, and Ribs is out scouting. Said riders are Risp and her troop scouting the kill site, looking for Grip's body. In the meantime, as is classic for the series by now, since Risp is riding, she's thinking. <laughs> yeah. The deniers that have lived among these hills no longer practice banditry. They've taken themselves up trading with the Hust Forges, and so have landed on a new profitable venture. Mining the hills for the blacksmiths. Risp, obviously, doesn't much like this prospect since civil war is almost certainly having to go to Galane and she doesn't want to be the one, plays the fool, and act like nothing is happening. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Abyss knows Hun Ral would be the first instigator in order to ensure the civil war will be short. But no, he said he's going to prevent civil war. Yeah. yeah. For sure. She then ponders on the ramifications of said civil war. Eurysander would be marched in the Gorkanas, a marriage would be initiated, the Hust forges would be put, put under the control of the Legion, the state and church would assume full control of the military, and the house plate would be greatly reduced in number and capability of armament. Also, the wardens and porter swords would be reformed and placed under Osiris' command. And Risp thinks. <laughs> so, before I get into that, in all, um, in rather classic dice fashion, Risp has some fairly interesting ideas. The manner in which Cruel Galen society is currently structured does indeed lead to divisiveness and plenty of what Hout would call arguments in iron, but the manner in which she and the Legion could go forth implementing said reforms is um, off. 
case in point <laughs> being that most enemies of the Legion, House Blades, Wardens, Border Swords, the Hust, fucking everybody, would be purged. The nobility would be put the sword, and there would be enforced meritocracy. The irony of this is killing me. <laughs> on the basis of the skill and experience, regardless of one's purity of blood. And? Riss also considers the possibility of a burning glimmer fate to the ground, killing all the naked wolves, and facing the victor directly. <laughs> and this, friends, is why Carol Galane is so utterly boned. <laughs> so, the troop happens upon an old campsite an old denier campsite and yeah. risp isn't particularly happy with it because the place reeks of failure to her does it come later where risp thinks that she wants to be like the commander of the wardens once it comes and no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. um she wants to be like the commander of the wardens and she's going to yeah, reform them no nepotism. too much they, eccentricity and shit yeah they want meritocracy except that when it suits her you know, yeah, just because yeah. they want meritocracy, except that she's a lieutenant in the Legion because her cousin's a captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, but yeah, whatever. Um, by the way, this comes up again, like throughout the, because Risp is very insecure about her capability of commanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. She's not awful, not like Salan levels of awful. I mean, nobody could but, be. Yeah. Okay, true, but <laughs> she's feeling pretty insecure about it, about the whole she's thing. She's young, isn't it? She says something yeah. like she was, she yeah. missed the wars. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. says she's younger than Serena's. She's probably like twenty. Okay, okay. You 30. can keep track of the numbers. I'm not going to. I don't know I'm, the numbers. I, I don't like know how Steve, long ago it was. So yeah, Steve yeah, yeah. doesn't Good track point. numbers, and I don't know that it. Yeah, yeah. And if Risp gives you any like roulade parallels of two young exactly, I was going to say roulade. Yeah, I was. Yeah, someone who missed the so some some things have never changed. It seems people I being mean, um. It shouldn't. It should be a common theme throughout history and throughout fiction, right? People who who miss the correct era, who feel like they've missed yeah. the correct age. And they're being prejudiced because they have done nothing. Well in fact they could have they could have done nothing. Maybe. That's a wholly different conversation because Risp is a bit, you know, full of herself. But whatever. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Anyway. The place um the old campsite which they happen upon apparently reeks of failure to Risp because clearly the deniers had a choice in the matter. Clearly, they could have been better. You know, something about um weakness being an inherent um Fault. flaw, a disease. Yeah. Like yeah. You get yeah, yeah. This, you were not supposed to like. Okay, the okay, relax. Yeah, go on. So yeah, um, an old sergeant reigns in beside, beside her, a veteran of the Jalek Wars, who is incidentally suffering Does he from have first a name? No, he's not he given. Is, he's pretty good, but uh, yeah, he doesn't get a name. Yeah. It just gets the sergeant. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Again. I think the curtain is just blue. There is something to be said about like frostbite and having like stuffing his boots with grass, so he, because it doesn't have. I don't know. Maybe the curtain is just blue again in this case. So if there's a symbol, <laughs> if there's a symbol here, I'm not gonna be the one to decode it anyway. <clears throat> so uh, the guy comes along and basically gives orders for her, which kind of irks her because again insecurity. Um, they ride off east towards the crag where Grape fell. And they find the second kill site, where the caravan guards had fallen to defend the wagons, which were then set alight. The road is riddled with corpses, not quite recognizable amidst the blood and gore, whatever that says about war. Uh, and Risp dreads the thought that Grip may have escaped, which we know he has. If Silan had simply kept his cool, there's a very good chance nothing would have come of it. Legion soldiers this far from Nerd Sor wasn't a particularly common occurrence, it's true, but if Anamander wasn't already keenly aware of how overtly hostile the situation has become, well, he'd be an idiot, and Anamander isn't an idiot. 
except he no, might be able to yeah. they would have had like questions instead of like an all out mm-hmm. uh manhunt murder mystery thing mm-hmm. it would have just been oh some mysterious soldiers were running what happened it would have ended yep. at that yeah 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 should have it didn't but should have So the sergeant finds the crag and makes an educated guess that Grip rolled over the cliffside, indicating that he was still alive and capable of doing so. He may have broken his neck or his legs, but nobody sought to confirm it in the blood and chaos. Risp elects to head down the cliff, but orders a burial detail for the bodies, which is arguably more respect than any other legionnaire has accorded the slain. So she is definitely born of nepotism. She is insecure, but she's not completely awful. Yeah, yeah. She's still pretty awful, though. So we're not gonna feel bad if she dies, but not terrible. Yeah. So Ribs returns to Sukul and Ransopt, and the Castellan somehow, presumably, comprehends the number of riders, where they're going, and their status from the dog's uh, wagging tail and the drooping left ear. <laughs> drooping left ear. <laughs> yeah. Sukul's full of his shit at this point. Doesn't say much because what could you say to that? Uh, in the meantime, they get going again and enter an old abandoned house that's supposedly far older than Tula holds about 5,000 years or so. Ransom has been visiting here on occasion and has cleared the pathway to some underground area, which, despite the lack of trees, is filled with roots. Can you just... Ransom? Yeah. yeah. Pause one second. Yeah, sure. So, the place, the underground area, is full of roots. Ransom, who is hunched to about half his height, enters, and the ribs seems to fear this place, and not saying much, uh, <laughs> Sukul follows him within. The underground pit, the underground is pitch dark, and she has to find her way by feel. Eventually, she feels nothing, and she freezes in fear, and Ransom's advice to stop looking with her eyes. It's and scandal help. And she says, um, uh, what should I feel with? What should I look with my thumbs? Yeah. yeah. Turns out, the place is filled to the brim with dog runner magic, and the deniers have blood of the dog runners within them. Sukul and... doesn't believe him. Mm. After all, these are ancestral Thaislands, and there were never any dog runners here. Clearly, Ransom's schooling is incomplete, through no fault of his own, of course. Classism, fun. <laughs> but nothing that he says makes sense to Sukul. Ransom then continues about the magic of the dog runners and why they were forced to flee after the forests were cut down. This here is a temple of the dog runners, and if Sukul would open her senses to it, she could witness it. Ribs is scared to bits because of the memories of the eye, which doesn't say much to Sukul. Yeah. Uh, Ransep comes forth, take her hand, and they take a circuitous around route around something. That something is apparently an altar, atop which sits a dog runner witch who's asleep. Yeah. Her name is? We'll get to that. Oh. She doesn't, he doesn't say the name immediately. You might as well. You might as well. Okay, yeah. We have her name finished is Burn. the chapter. Her so. name is Burn in the name of the dog runners, the yeah. language of the dog runners. So, in order to see, the Castellan instructs Sugul <laughs> to close her eyes and picture the landscape. Roots everywhere, wolf skulls played in the walls, or more accurately, a skulls, which are a mix between dog and really big dog. Um, it's like, I think, oh. horse skull size. Yeah, 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 it's like really big. Yeah. With an altar made of packed earth, decorated with semi precious stones, as well as other trinkets. The witch has all but transformed into a tree, and is the source of the roots from which everything grows. Ransep has injured the witch in his ignorance and feels deeply remorseful for this, especially as the roots don't seem to be healing. Sukul asks for the witch to be described, and the man after side goes on length, describing what essentially amounts to a tree. I mean, she's a tree. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, a face of polished wood covering what once was a fair-skinned face with heavy features. And if you're not catching on at this point, he'll, you know, yeah. <laughs> They're the eye mask. Yeah. Uh, dog runners were never once to dissemble, and they felt what seemingly was a wider range of emotions from the Diced and much more strongly. And the Diced didn't like that because, of course, they didn't. It is Ransom's belief, and this particular witch is uh, the Dreamer, which could potentially be resisting Mother Dark, and he asks if Sukul is capable of seeing all that he has described. It turns out that, yes, indeed she does, but not all her thoughts are her own. They are within the dreams of this witch, and she, the witch, struggles to comprehend them. Yeah. As such, they're in a very real danger of losing themselves to the witch's thoughts, and so they must leave. Before that, however, Sukulis has to make an offering to this witch, whose name in the language of the dog runners is Burn, the sleeping goddess that dreams the world into existence. But Ranseps warns her that such an offering would perforce blind Burn, uh, not blind, bind, bind, uh, bind Burn and Mother Dark in ways she cannot understand. This is the holiest place in the religion of the dog runners, yet they know it not. Sukul realizes this and asks Francep why she brought why he brought her here, they could have gone another way. His response that bites calling it rubbish, which it is, <laughs> elicits laughter from her, laughter that seems capable of healing the sleeping goddess, much to Rat to Ransep's utter astonishment and delight. The two of them leave, following Graves' footsteps out, and Ransep seems to be in his happiest. He openly admits to being a denier, though he hates that name and for good reason. <laughs> yeah. And reveals to Sugal that Burn dreams of a river. And I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. You know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, we know whatever he means. Yeah. Meanwhile, Risp is searching for Grip's corpse as she descends the crevice. Quickly, she realizes that there will be no body awaiting her down there. And indeed, she finds a boot steps limping away in a trail of blood, a broken leg and a back wound, leading to another cliffside with, obvious, with a few obvious hand and leg holds. She climbs, which is only about 10 paces. Uh, she finds that she's about 30 paces away from the main troop. She returns to her troop and informs everybody of the situation. Uh, the bad news aren't actually over yet, though. Turns out, Grip wasn't here accidentally. He was placed here by an amander to protect Orphantal, who is a scion of the Korlash family, under whom quite a few of Risp's troops served under, and that scion is now being sent to Karkanas, under Lord Anamander's protection. And he's alive. <laughs> Risp knows she's fucked, but there's scant little to do now beyond tracking the boy. Yeah. The sergeant offers up another solution. Just put the blame on Salan and hang him as a common criminal. Put him and his entire troop to the sword out of um necessity. Yeah. yeah. To clean the blood of the slain from their hands. At the end of the day, Salan did act of his own accord and without orders. It could be justified somehow. Yeah, yeah. The sergeant gives Risp nothing, which pisses her off. Again, insecurity. So, and so she elects to send news with Thala to take care of the troop. Take and care. Yeah, yeah, and also? And uh, sends another rider <laughs> to Tula Hold uh, to inform the lady of the slaughter and help with the cleanup effort, efforts. Then they ride away. Yeah. We cut back to Ransept and Sugul, who is watching, who are watching uh, Risp make her arrangements. There's something problematic about the whole thing. Supposedly, or they supposed beforehand that both the killers and these fellows are legion but they well they shouldn't be here but the way these guys are acting makes it seem like they weren't party to the killing so who killed the traitors yeah and ransom concludes that maybe ribs would know maybe what 
Maybe ribs would know. <laughs> yeah. Sukal just is sick of shit at this point. Just straight up asks him, like, are you a priest or are you a seer or something? He says that there's no such thing among the deniers, and the dog runners have uh, bone casters, not priests as such. Again, if you don't see them, okay, they're Imas. Uh, <laughs> they have witches and warlocks that allegedly gave the gift of soul taken to the Jalek. That is so, like, casually just dropped, and like, like it's nothing. Oh yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's the dog runners, the bone casters. They made the soul taken, and keep going. My god. So, the legionnaires, in the meantime, were kind enough to bury the body to the slain, and Ransept actually paints a rather poetic picture of the whole thing, which surprises Sugul. Like, the Castellan has more or less sworn to serve Hish until his dying breath, which, given his station, is actually rather heartbreaking. Sugul, him, and his dog, who is just a dog. Yeah. So, yeah, you wanted to say something? No, no, no. He's just a dog, yeah. He uses a dog, yeah. And she even asks him, is it soul taken? And he says, even if yeah, it was no, soul taken, no, he's he, forgotten. He, he forgot, now. yeah. <laughs> so he's just a dog. Yeah. But my lady, he's my dog. <clears throat> yeah. So, again, if there's like some sort of symbolism with ribs, being like a really smart, I do not know what it is. Again. Maybe we'll figure out as we keep reading. Maybe, but yeah, maybe it's just the curse is blue. <laughs> You know, because so. chapter 9 had so much symbolism stuff yeah. in it. Yeah. So chapter 10 was just being free. Yeah, yeah just like, it's just a dog. Yeah. Really, no, trust me, it's just a dog. <laughs> Nothing more to it, believe me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the two of them make their way down to the killing grounds and know that the killers were, were indeed disciplined at first. Whatever they made of a poor sod, probably Haral, one imagines, seems to hint at a certain breach of discipline, i.e. they carried him off into pieces. Uh, the whole scene of viscera and entrails spilled and bodies everywhere is revolting to Sukul, but what's more revolting to her is Ransom's attitude towards the whole thing. There's a certain emptiness with regards to emotion as one needs to be when faced with slaughter, and she just cannot accept that. She cannot accept that living beings can be abstracted to mere sacks containing bones yeah. and organs, even if she comprehends the necessity of such a picture. I was there is no... up, but I didn't have yeah. time. Like, mm-hmm. there are some things like this in Catch-22 about how people have just, like, bags of blood or something. It, the, the, the more or less the same concept. I, I I don't have the exact quote. I didn't look up. But I will look mm-hmm. up probably before later. Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. <coughs> so, there is no grief for Orphantal, which seems to imply that either the boy is still alive or he went down with his horse on the medflat. The riders are just, ha- uh, the riders are just ahead, but Sukul advises Rancep to hide. Whether the soul uh, the soul rider heads to a hold and finds nobody save for a dull gate sergeant, how would that look? They need to make sure, beyond reasonable doubt, that Orphantel is still alive. Ransom then asks the question on everyone's mind, if the boy is that important, why did they send him along with a goddamn caravan guard? Yeah. In the meantime, for some reason, I'm not sure why, Sukul takes a moment to ask if um, Ransom's nose could be healed. It turns out that the guy has had his nose broken six times, which is absurd, and so he stopped trying to heal it before they realized that they're one grave sort, which means someone else has gave the slaughter, but they're in no position to keep going. So Ransom suggests to send Ribs on to do what needs doing, because Ribs <laughs> is his dog. And by now, yeah, Sugul yeah. has got has caught on, like, okay, it's your dog, whatever. <laughs> so the closing scene is 
uh, a corporal in Euro's Irish Legion named Renf, who is riding post haste from Gurkhanas, following Hunral's orders regarding the troops stationed near the hills of Lahold. Renf is actually somewhat cognizant of Hunral's failings and contradictions. He is a nobleborn that seeks redress for his own line, while claiming that he wishes to elevate old Lord Eurysander because of a desire for justice. Right. <laughs> of course. Sure. And, and this guy uh, has some plans and stuff. Um, we'll get to that because yeah. there is some merit to actually go into rents because, like, this is like distilled taste essence of they have some really good ideas and they just fuck it up. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Hunral's contradictions actually scare him because he does, as he's told, have a sense of duty and loyalty to Lord Sander. Hunral is issuing certain um contradictory orders now. He says more than ever, ever, Ursander was needed as a husband for Mother Dark. While he is also simultaneously ordering all units to desist. What the fuck? Yeah. Raul, to Rent, is hardly an inspiring figure. He's not permanently drunk. He's drunk. Uh, drunk. Did I mention he's drunk? No. Yeah. He's envious. <laughs> he's spiteful. He's spitting venom constantly. And Renth only really feels compelled to do what he as he's told because Rissander actually deserves better. And also because he's incredibly prejudiced against the deniers, whom he considers to be, like, not taste at all. Not taste, yeah. Their lack of faith in Mother Dark has allegedly stripped them of all of their protections, and they're little more than filth marrying the realm. And Lord Ursander, who understands necessity, would cleanse the realm of them. And uh, if the something happens no, to yeah, them, yeah. it's their own fault, right? Of course, of course, obviously. They should have just kept their faith in Mother Dark, no? Yeah. yeah. The Highborn were, unless, another matter. But he, as a soldier, well understood the meaning of necessity. And when the time came, he would do as he was told. Yeah. And now, he rode to the units into the hold to command them sunk down. And after that, he would ride northward to set his hold in Skyrush Troop, presumably. Unless there's more Legion units, which we don't know about in the meantime. But that's my guess. But... Before any of that, he happens upon a young boy who is filthy and dirt smeared and identifies himself as Orphantel of House Corlas. Renth doubts it and the insinuations that he would kill the child because he thinks it's a denier and Renth is a dipshit and you know what's gonna happen next. He says something like that. Grip Gallas is quicker and he plunges a good few inches of cold steel into his heart. Where does Renth he kill dies. him? Yeah. How does he kill him? He plunges a Knife into his below his, below his elbow, his um, armpit, into his heart. No, from the back, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just just wanted to point that out. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Renth is dead, and his last thoughts being about the injustice of it all, because who was this Horal guy anyway? <laughs> so uh, Orphantal is positively mortified because of this, as he was thinking the two of them would have stolen or borrowed more accurately uh, a horse after whaling somebody and then eventually they would recompense them not this he's so he's so sweet he's so innocent yeah uh, Grip essentially tells the kid to tug it up and uh, not only that but he also goes on to defile the body of the corporal he cuts his head off and then carves his initials on his forehead awesome um, Grip mounts back onto the horse and they ride away, but Orphantel remarks that all the heroes are dead and we are all lost. And there's a very pretty, albeit very bleak, image um, at the very end that the hand that took up Orphantel was red it's, it's and the air good. was smelling of iron and just, just, it's fucking, just, it's Ericsson just like, 
<clears throat> yeah. Well, that was chapter 10. Nice. Um, both chapters start, well, no, this one doesn't start, but both chapters end with Orphantel. Yeah. Orphantel's And the same. next chapter starts with Arathon. Oh, is it? In, okay. In case that's, you know, meaningful. Because if you haven't watched it, which you should, Steve basically told us that Forge of Darkness is essentially the story of a young boy who is coming into his own, but he didn't specify which because there's at least two he of did. them. He totally did. did. He? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, in any case, I'm going to keep it in my head again. Like he could mean yeah. both. Like he could have, yeah. I mean, he's not going to say, no, I did not mean our fandom. He's not going to say that you are orange. Okay. So are we yeah. done oh, I am. with the summaries? Oh, yeah. I don't think we can do. We can stuff more. Disc- do you want? Do you have anything more to bring here? Because I no, 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 it's not really. I mean, like I said earlier, like this chapter is very much like a one note thing. Just oh well, uh, we fucked up. But Grave is alive. Oh, by the way, <laughs> like burn the, the thing. Like the Iron Man was all taken. Oh, but we <laughs> fucked up. But Grave's still out there. And that's basically how the chapter goes for like forty pages. Yeah, it's like the whole um, relaxation chapter after chapter yeah. nine. So shall we wind up? Yep. Thanks. Yep. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for watching or listening. And uh, I have been Lee. I'm Mora. And good night. Good night.